0: thank you for joining us here on the radio bible course for our study of galatians we're beginning today with verse 13 it's good news christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us for it is written cursed be everyone who hangs on a tree this of course has an old testament background The law regarded anybody who was hanged for a crime as cursed by God. We all have broken the law, and therefore according to verse 10 in this chapter, we are under the curse of the law. But the good news is that God sent Jesus Christ to become a curse in our place. He was cursed so we wouldn't have to be cursed. And it says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. What does the word redeemed mean? Well, we can better understand and appreciate this word if we make a brief study of three words in Greek which are related to this word redeem. There is the word agorazo. It is concerned with the marketplace in ancient Greek cities. And... The word for marketplace is agora. Now, in Athens, below the Acropolis, one can see where the agora was located in Paul's day. In Corinth, directly ahead of the entrance to that ancient city, the remains of the marketplace shops can be seen, and above them, in the distance, is the city's Acropolis, where the infamous Temple of Aphrodite stood. Well, most people have heard about that. There were 1,000 priestesses who served that temple. They were prostitutes. That's why Paul wrote to the Corinthians in chapter 6 of his first epistle and said, What? Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? You have been bought with a price. Well, agorazo means to buy. It's the word used in Matthew 14:15 by the disciples, urging Jesus to send the crowd to the villages to buy food. Well, instead of buying food, he fed well over 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. Well, there's another word related and translated to redeemed. It's ex It means to buy out of the marketplace. And it is used in Galatians 3.13, this verse we're dealing with, plus Galatians 4.5. It says, But when the time had fully come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. There it is. Redeem those from under the law. He bought us out from under it, so that never again could the law condemn us or control us. Now slaves, or people in bondage, often were taken to the marketplace, and they were bought out of there. Someone, a benefactor perhaps, someone who knew this particular slave, would pay the price, he would buy them, and then he would set them free. May I ask this question? Were the Jews who were living in the first century bought out from under the law by the gospel of Jesus Christ, which Paul preached? Now, I'm talking about Jews, the Israelites who were under the law. You see, the law was given only to those people. They were in bondage to that law. Now, were they bought and redeemed out from under that law? They were. They were taken out from under the law of Moses by the gospel. Now, what does this say to Gentiles who were never under the law in the first place? You see how Christians should avoid any contact with that law. Paul wrote in chapter 5, which we'll get to in a few weeks, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free, and don't become entangled again with that yoke of bondage. And he's talking about that law of Moses. Well, now, there is a third Greek word. It's lutroo, and it means to release someone by paying a ransom price. The Apostle Peter used this Greek word in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. He writes, You know that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Ransomed is the word lutrao. It means to release by a ransom price. Have you been released? I have. It happened when I was 16 years of age. I was released from the curse of the law. I was released from the law's bondage. I never was under it, but I went to a church where they taught me the Ten Commandments and put me under it, and I felt great guilt, and I feared God because of those commandments. Even as a boy... I knew what some intelligent people today don't seem to know, that you can't keep the law perfectly. And if you're trying, you're asking to be put under the curse. Well, in Titus chapter 2 verse 14, we also have lutrao, this Greek word for redeemed. Listen to it. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all iniquity and to purify for himself a people of his own who are zealous of good deeds. We have been redeemed. That's a glorious word for the Christian. He's been set free. He has been purchased. Now, Jesus Christ didn't come into this world to sneak us out from under the curse. He stepped forward and paid the price by giving his own life for us. Now, why are men under a curse? Well, Galatians 3.10 told us that failure to do everything written in the law results in the curse. And Paul got that out of Deuteronomy 21.23. Now, since the law cursed every man who relied on it for righteousness, how could any get the blessing promised to Abraham? Well, the answer comes in verse 9. Here of Galatians chapter 3. The answer is through faith. Faith in what? Faith in Christ. And that takes us to verse 14 of this third chapter of Galatians. Listen to it. That in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, before we speak more about receiving the Spirit and the faith, let me ask this question. How then, in view of these scriptures in the Old Testament curse that was upon anyone who did not obey everything, how then does the lawbreaker escape the curse of the holy law of God? Well, it's done by a substitute, but not anyone can take your place in death only that person who qualifies by reason of sinlessness. You don't want someone offering to die for you, for your sins, when they have sins of their own. Yes, those who have sinned must die for their own sins. Even under the law in the Old Testament, the animal brought as a sin offering could not be defective. Only a perfect sacrifice was acceptable for imperfect persons who had sinned. Well, friends, the Son of God was sinless. He was sacrificed as an innocent lamb. John the Baptist had declared as much in chapter 1 of the Gospel of John, verse 29, when he said, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. That's a direct application to the Old Testament lamb. Sinless, perfect, without spot, without blemish. He alone was qualified to die for sinful men because he had no sins of his own to die for. The sacrificed lamb was the remedy for sin in the Old Testament in that he paid what the law demanded of the sinner. Death. Isaiah foretold the Savior's mission as the sin-bearing Savior in chapter 53, written some 700 years earlier. Listen to Isaiah, verses 4 through 6. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Please notice, who laid our sins upon him? It was God who laid our sins upon him. You see, salvation is of the Lord, not of us. Someone had to die for those sins, and God provided the lamb for the sacrifice. Now, when we talk about salvation by grace, this is an important point. You don't bring a lamb and offer it as a sacrifice to God, and you don't bring any other kind of a sacrifice to God. In the salvation of which the Bible speaks, God provides his own sacrifice for you so that all that comes to you is done by God. It's by grace, friends, not by any kind of effort, sacrifice, or religious activity. This is God's work salvation is provided by God. Isaiah wrote still one other statement in verse 10 of that 53rd chapter. He said, Yet it was the will of the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief when he makes himself an offering for sin. For centuries, prior to the birth of Jesus Christ, the prophets had spoken not only about the birth, And the miracle-working power of the Messiah who would come, but also about his death. Anyone reading the Old Testament can't miss this fact, that the Messiah was sent to suffer. He was to be the suffering Savior. The Jew doesn't like to look at that. He thinks this is referring to the nation of Israel suffering. No, the text says he He's the Lamb, and God made him, not them. God made him to be sin for us. I'm afraid many people don't want to believe what they read. They want to change the meaning of it. How should you interpret the scriptures? Well, there are rules for interpretation, and these are explained in our six-tape album entitled Principles of Interpretation. In addition... These teaching tapes apply the rules to many of the Bible's most difficult and controversial passages, such as Hebrews chapter 6 and James chapter 2. This cassette tape course on Bible interpretation is a practical version of what is taught in theological seminaries. Don't miss this opportunity to learn how to interpret the Word of God. Write for our free Teaching Capes brochure. If you have been blessed by listening to this broadcast, please tell a friend. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calivota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.